0: We have so many goodies to share with you, let's dive right in together. Hello, I am so glad to have you for this episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. And I'm so glad that we get to be joined by Dr. Holly Oxlander for a topic I know you need if you press play today, and that is how to care for the soul of a helper. So, thank you first and foremost for being a helper who's with us today, because I know that helping in the world just blesses everybody, honestly, including you. I was just reading some beautiful research and sharing it with my certification team about how we've actually seen blood markers that show a down regulation of the stress inflammatory hormones in your blood. Yes, truly when you help others even against self-care. So self-care is so important, but you're doing the right thing to help others. So today, Holly is going to help us to do both well. And I already know that you care a lot about people, as I said, if you're here with us. So thank you for also taking care of you. I know it feels like it's a lot to even think about doing that in the midst of whatever you've got going. So I invite you to take a deep breath and truly ingest this episode and allow yourself to go the long haul with your helping because you took the time to listen. Now, as a reminder, before I bring Holly on, I want to let you know a couple things. One, I have some fun, juicy backstory from her, so don't let me forget to share that. But first, because this is the week of the ENEA Summit, I want to invite you to that. If you haven't heard of the ENEA Summit on Love and Relationships, this is a several-day event that is going to have over 20 Enneagram speakers on the topic of love and relationships and include a juicy extra from an actual bachelor contestant. So that's fun. And also, you're going to be learning from some of our favorite teachers here, Suzanne Stabile and Sarah Jane Case and Jesse Eubanks and so many others as we come together to walk through communication and dating and sex therapy tips and tips for every single type with boundaries and grief and you name it. Love and relationships and all of these topics are going to be covered. So, if you're a newbie to the Enneagram or if you're just right in the middle of your work and wondering how to pivot, this is a great way to do that. And it's free all week. So, make sure you get your ticket. It's in the show notes. Also, make sure if you're anything like me and you want to catch more than you probably have room for in your week, that you grab the All Access Pass. So, I have that linked up in the show notes as well. And I'm grateful I get to be one of those speakers. So, make sure you check it out. I'm talking on conflict. And it's a very important topic, as you know, because we deal with it all the time. So I have a slideshow for you, and I have a lot of notes for you to take. So bring your pencil, bring your paper, maybe even bring your earbuds to a library and just allow yourself this to be part of your self-care if you decide that you're going to take a little extra time to learn this week, and that would be self-care for you. Or like I said, do it later when you have the availability with the all-access pass. So thank you, and I am so geeked out that we get this this week. This is your time. And if you're coming in later, you can get it later. Now, as to the juicy tidbits, no, I have not forgotten them. I wanted to tell you that sometimes the podcast guest and I have interacted before, like Holly and I, and then we just keep chatting. And so this happened with her and I, and we got into discussion about how she's in the two-nine pairing and how she's so grateful to her hubby, who's a nine, and how he, I just wanted to share, because I thought this was so cute, she actually dedicated her book to him. And also, she just loves that he slows her down in that nine pacing. But I really wanted to share their cute meeting story because she dates back to MySpace with her hubby. And Holly actually approached him and said, Hey, you are cute. And Dave Matthews is uh not on your list of favorite songs. So I think that's a very clever and sort of Taylor Swift mastermind way of helping him to see, hello, I am here. And I know we all do this. We have our sexual instincts. So we have to kind of woo and attract. And I love that she does that. I love that she did that then. And I love that she's still working on that with her hubby. Because frankly, guys, that's this whole podcast topic is how can we not burn out and leave our families behind while we're helping everybody. So that is really going to be something to carry with you as you, dear helper, are helping others this week. I also wanted to give the very quick update that if you're listening live Monday, I'm probably with my little sweetie Jay, um, and he doesn't like to be called that that much anymore actually, but Jack, my son, is at his first acting gig today. So I get to be a side uh, kind of just mom there with him while he was scouted, and it so cute because that's what he may want to do with his life that's what he thinks So he's only 11 so it's my youngest and i'm excited to see does this does he like this i know he loves theater so this is where i'm at this week if you're listening live then know that he and i are all day at this shoot so anyway i really appreciate you guys um just hanging out first before we even bring holly on and now let's make sure we honor your time this week. This is our huge topic. And I'm so grateful for Holly for sharing all of this with us. Let's dive right in. Thank you, Holly, so much for joining us for the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Krista.
1: I I I know we were just talking before hitting record. I am just so honored to be here and grateful for the space to connect with you.
0: Ah, well, we both feel the same. And I know our audience is so happy to have such a wonderful heart type to share her heart for all of the helpers. And I really Mm. was sharing before you got on about your beautiful background and the fact that our audience really connects with you because they're all helping so much. So we'd love to hear Mm. a little bit about you and hubby and your family and your work at Baylor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I, I, I guess for the,
1: especially within the context of this show, I uh, most identify with type two on the Enneagram. I'll lead with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Waco, Texas with my husband, Corey. Uh, he identifies with type nine and we might get into some of that later. Yeah. Um, and we have two kiddos, Callie and Oliver, who mm-hmm. are um, eight and eleven. And they keep us on our toes yeah. uh, in several different ways. But um, it really is a gift to get to parent them alongside my husband. So I, as you mentioned, I, I work at Baylor as our associate dean for research uh, mm-hmm. within the Garland School of Social Work. Mm-hmm. And I love that I get to help faculty get excited about their research mm-hmm. and the ways that they serve others through their research. So mm-hmm. um, so I serve in that capacity. And then I also do my own research around the intersection of faith um, and spirituality and mental health and the mm-hmm. ways in which mental health care providers mm-hmm. are paying attention to this important area of people's lives as they are walking alongside them through some of the most difficult layers and experiences mm-hmm. that the, their clients may be navigating. Mm-hmm. So um, so mm-hmm. those, that's, those are a handful of little layers uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'll pause there, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's really rich for everybody to hear because I think mm-hmm. that people are excited in addition to the beautiful layers of hearing, how can mental health providers connect spiritually with their clients or encourage them in their spiritual walk, which I know you are studying a lot of, and I've yes, been encouraged by that correct. part yeah. of your research. Oh, um I feel you. like- Yes, I feel like what's also intriguing to those listening is that as a two, and I have a lot of two clients like this as well. And we know both of us know Suzanne Stabile and many of our listeners know her as well, that you also have such a research heart. And I mm. love shaking things up a bit. So tell us how your two goes along with your research. I hear that there's a lot of caring in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So whenever Like I, I know that when I talk about research, a lot of times folks may hear that and begin maybe cringe a little bit at the idea of research or Mm -hmm. the thought of like, I don't, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed by it. They're scared of it, anxious about it. But I see research as a way of serving others. Mm -hmm. Um, In social work, we are engaged in working with individuals, families, and communities in several different ways. And we teach our students to pay attention to um, how to support those different groups. But one of those ways to support those groups is through research. So creating an opportunity to uh, hear the stories from these individuals and families and communities and to synthesize them in a way that honors these groups mm. uh with a posture of humility um so the ways in which i i see research as uh serving these folks is it, it creates a space to hear their stories to mm. um to share them appropriately um and to, to help others better understand perhaps what these groups are experiencing or their preferences or the things that they care about mm-hmm. um, or, or what they're navigating. Mm-hmm. So the research that I do primarily is looking at mental health care providers and the ways in which they are integrating their client spirituality and practice. And what I've learned over the years is overwhelmingly, these providers, they they want to create a space to talk about a client spirituality, but they don't always know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not have received the training on how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that this research helps to empower mental health care providers to seek that training um, to support their clients in this area of their lives, as well as to, so I've got the mental health care provider piece. And then when it comes to the clients, I, I also do research to better understand, you know, what do clients want? Mm-hmm. Do they want to talk about their faith? Who do they want to be the one to bring it up? Mm-hmm. And so creating that space for for the clients to say, this is a, an important part of my life or it's mm-hmm. not, you know, they can, yeah. you know, discern that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I love creating those spaces for that. And then mm-hmm. also coming alongside my faculty colleagues mm-hmm. and my students mm-hmm. and helping them serve in the way that they were uniquely equipped to serve through their research. Mm -hmm. Like that just lights me up
0: though. Yeah. Yes, you bring (laughs) that love right in Mm. and you care so deeply and you have such a harmonic sort of way of approaching them. Like I want to work with you versus just this is me and my research over here. And even from reading your book, I can tell that and following your Instagram now that you just allow Mm. yourself to pour into community as well with the research. Like you said, there's a goal to it and it's love. So yeah. I'm sure you and your hubby both have some of that with him being a nine. Can you tell us maybe just briefly before we uh, move on just a bit about like that two nine dynamic in marriage and anything that you would think listeners who share that dynamic might love to just say yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. No, I really
1: appreciate the space to to speak on that a little bit because. I will say, I wish that earlier in our marriage that I had a two or a two and nine combo that I had learned from. I mean, later I learned from Suzanne and Joe Beal, but the uniqueness of the two and nine combo is that I feel like both really want to support and care for the other in a lot of tender ways, but it's different for the two of them. Right. Whereas the nine is like, I don't want to cause any ripples and I don't want to um, create any hiccups or anything like that or any bumps or cause any conflict. Um, Whereas the two wants to serve and love the nine out of a place of, um, you know, a I want you to see how much I love you and B I want you to love me too. In significant and profound ways. And so we both will want to merge with the other. So, you know, for our listeners who are hearing Um, if, if you are a couple where, when it's like, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? And both of you are like, I don't know, what do you want to do for dinner? And I don't know, what do you want to do for dinner? You know, that might be a two nine combo perhaps, (laughs) um, because that is a common conversation. I feel like in our household or not just dinner, but, um, you know, several conversations of what do you want to do on this and making decisions can be really difficult for, I would say for my husband and I, so, Um... so that's been Yeah. 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 So that's been um, bumpy and interesting, but it also, one of the things that my husband and I have learned over the years that I wish I had learned sooner was one, well, for both of us the need to speak our needs Mm. specifically, because he will want to merge with whatever it is that I want to do to keep the peace. Yeah. Um, and there are times where I really need to speak up and say, Hey, I need you to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I know nine sometimes can be slow to action for lots of different reasons and for better or for worse, mm-hmm. but I have had to really learn how to communicate my need for him to step up and, and engage and do things mm-hmm. over the years. So mm-hmm. that's been one. Um, Oh, I would say too, that the Enneagram did help though in our marriage, in understanding, you know, where I would be like, you know, babe, I don't, I don't know why you don't see that this thing needs to be done because as a two I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to all of the needs of all of the people and intuiting those things. And he is, is really, it's just not his, his go-to. Um, and so I feel like the Enneagram was helpful for me to be like, Oh, you, you, You really don't see that, that this person needs this and this person needs this and this person needs this. And at the same time, I have had to learn to be much more patient Mm -hmm. with him and his timing, because the more I would push to be like, hey, honey, I really need you to get this done, Mm -hmm. you know, he understandably he he could dig in his heels if he wasn't in a good spot or be like no I'll do that later or I mean I needed to communicate it more clearly without assuming that he could intuit what I needed Mm. so anyways yeah that's
0: well said that really speaks to everybody because we we have these body types who are like so sensing yeah and they're not necessarily yes. picking up, uh, even in their merging on the intuiting and you're like, but I wasn't clear about it. So how are they ever going right. to, ever going to know? And so, that's um, right. but yet, of course, like you said, you wanted to make sure your heart was taken care of and then he wasn't dormant. So I know yeah. we're always at work. I love hearing that. Um, and as a helper, thank you for also caring for your husband. That's something we talk a lot about here as so yes. many have these helper hearts, mm-hmm. just spouses too. Um, so yeah. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um tell us a little bit about just in your work in Soul of the Helper you talk about some of the practices you've developed because we move so fast. This is just how we work as helpers. There's always somebody who calls us afresh with a crisis, whether it be friend client, you and I both know we meet people at the grocery stores and they want help too. <laughs> so yes, um, yes, I yes. think that's just part of it all. So tell us yes. like, what is a practice that you find um, revitalizing? In fact, I love your morning practice. If you want to share that mm-hmm. one at all, but yeah, totally. I actually yep. started using that from your book. Oh, Chris, so that's amazing. So I want to hear
1: about actually, do you want to tell me? I want to hear a little bit more about that. Like, how is that looking? I'm happy to explain it, but say more about how that practice is coming up for you.
0: Yes. Well, you talk about the assault of the morning and how it can hit us like a ton of bricks. And my son was actually walking through that not long ago. And I was reminding him of your practice too, because what's helped me in addition to practices I've taught my clients, like do five gratitudes in the morning, et cetera. Like I get it. These have been life changing for many of us over the years. But what I loved about your practice, and you can fill in anything. I don't really share, you know, I've moved it into mine now, but is that you remind us to take a word and uh, to allow God to speak into that word. And you were mentioning, you used the word rest. And I... Uh, Tried the word safe. I ended up moving, oddly enough, into the word peace, and I I think the word safe was triggering for me, and the word peace felt better. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. allowing myself to breathe in peace and breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, has been such a gift for me for Mm twenty minutes. I loved how you even talked about how you know you Mm -hmm. squirm. Oh my gosh, is a seven? Do I squirm during that? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, tell us what I maybe you can organize that because that was just my.
1: Yeah, so um, no, I really appreciate you bringing up this practice. So this is one, It's Centering Prayer is one that I learned about several years ago and have just found it's incredibly important for me to have a space for silence and solitude and stillness mm-hmm. um, to begin the day. And I think especially as someone who identifies with type two, but I think this is important for all of us because I do... I know that there are several different ways in which we view the Enneagram, but I do think that we each have a little bit of each of the types within us, even though we have a home base. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the ways in which we all have that helper within us, but especially for those who most identify with type two as a helper, we've really got to have a space where we connect within ourselves before we go out. And serve others because our our instinct is to just go out and meet other people's Mm -hmm. needs and see the needs and do everything we can to serve. But if we are not creating this quiet space to begin our day and reconnect with that, that stillness within us, my fear is that we are going to go out and serve others with flawed and broken and imperfect Mm -hmm. motivations that... We may not intend to hurt other people, but unfortunately they do hurt other people if we're, because we're seeking that sense of love and -hmm. affection and affirmation and, um, in those actions, but we're not doing it mindfully. We're not doing it with intention. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've got to refill our own bucket to start the day, Mm -hmm. um, as we go out and serve others. So that practice of centering prayer very practically, it looks like spending, as you mentioned, 20 minutes, but, but 20 minutes might feel really scary and hard for folks. So mm-hmm. I like to say, even if you can start at like two minutes or 30 seconds, mm-hmm. like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to, to start with a brief, with, with that window, um identifying the word, which I love that you shared that you had started um, was safe and changed it to peace to meet your needs. I think that's beautiful. Um, for me, it's, it's been rest because I need that connection of rest to begin each each day, um, to remember that my, my, um, my worth is not dependent upon what I do, especially for others, but that my, my worth is inherent and it, and that I am beloved as I am aside from all of the things that I do. Mm. Um, and so identifying that word, using that word as a way to return to my breath when I get distracted or when I get, um, I have all the thoughts or the to do's and it's very practical in the book of like all the things Love I'm that. thinking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Like it is, you know, as soon as we get quiet, all of those thoughts surface, mm-hmm. um, or the, scratches or itches that we have or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, It's hard for us to be still. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's real hard for us to be still. So anyway, so that practice has been one that has helped me quite a bit in grounding myself in my inherent belovedness before I go out to begin the
0: day. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, because many of us talk about it and we need the experiential practice of how to put it on. And you're saying there are a bunch of ways, but this is one absolutely good one is taking this time in the morning to truly allow yourself first thing to put this on. I think a lot of other cultures really know this. And I think that, of course, we know from that Christian lens, sometimes we forget that because in our rush to love others, we forget to love ourselves. Tell us also a little bit about just your heart for it from your own space, because I know you hinted at it, but it sounds like, and I got to read about this in your book too, and I hope others will too, but just that it had to come to you. Your doctor gave you uh 12 adages, which funny enough, my husband's a medical provider. So I had sent those to him too. Oh, great. that's a great awesome. awesome. Yeah, so yeah awesome. that's so about great. That? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, the...
1: This, obviously, for each of us, the journey that we are on as fellow travelers, where life is messy and dogs bark during conversation. Yeah, I mean, just there are things that we experience as humans and as part of the human condition. There are things that are tricky and difficult that we have to navigate. Um, And at some point... My dog, Joby, just has so many things she wants to say about this too. (laughs) At some point, you know, the things that worked for us, they just don't work for us anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I write in the book about a season, a couple of seasons, but there are seasons in which we bump up against those, those layers that we don't have any more access to coping Mm -hmm. strategies. Right. Like we get to the point of burnout. And so for me, Um, that did look like I was juggling and taking on way too many things. I was Mm -hmm. seeking that affirmation and those accolades from others in unhealthy Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to a point at which I felt like I could not, I just couldn't keep up. I just couldn't keep up. So I went to the doctor, Mm -hmm. um, and, and I had fully anticipated he was going to be like, ah, I got 10 minutes and said, here's what I can do. I can write this prescription and go on. And no, he Sat down with me and gave me several strategies Mm -hmm. and tips and, Mm -hmm. um, helped me think through and walk through, you know, what are some coping strategies that can help, um, Mm -hmm. through the season of burnout that I was navigating. Mm -hmm. And I realized as helpers, we all bump up into these seasons where we, you know, we're, we're going and doing and helping and serving and advocating and offering. Mm -hmm. And we just are not infinite beings. Like we cannot, give beyond our capacity because at some point it catches Mm -hmm. up with us and, and we are forced to stop anyway. So yeah, to, I just, there, there got to be that point where I, you know, had reached burnout, um, Mm -hmm. extended myself far beyond my capacity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think that there are times where things come across our path and it's like, Oh, we here are here's another invitation to lean into um, and navigate the next things that we need to navigate or learn um, just as fellow travelers. And so, I I mean, yeah, so there's several stages within this book that were pretty transparent in terms of how I've navigated that just as one person, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it is built upon several layers of my own research, as well as, you know, as well as my own journey, because it's like the research helped open up my eyes to certain things that I had to navigate as a helper. And, um, and then we needed the practical layers to mm-hmm. kind of move through those stages that I proposed in the book. So. Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm I'll so
0: yes. No, that's great. Thank you. I think that what you're reminding us of is these needs are ongoing. Like we're going that's to have right. them for a while. If we're helpers, this mm-hmm. is never going away. So it's that's ongoing right. work. We're going to get dysregulated more than your average person. And yes. I think that's what I was talking with uh, a two therapist on my staff yesterday. We were talking mm. about um, how when you have a helping profession, which many of our listeners do, or their parents. Yes. Um, it's like, you're in this space of like, I already, my garments already been touched, so I have to have some rest or I'm not going to be a service to those people, or I'm going to be using unhealthy coping mechanisms, lopsided. So I love that you are sort of surprised by your doctor to say, not just, Mm -hmm. you know, medicinal, but. Look at something holistic before you even look at medicinal. What can you, even if you're still going to be a helper, you're still going to be extremely busy, you're still going to have things throw you off guard. What are some Mm -hmm. basic root practices? I love that one of them was date night with your husband. Yeah, that's That's right. Or life sometimes. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, and that has changed. I mean, to your point, that that this changes over time, right? In different seasons, and as we navigate different layers of, you know, what it is to be human or as parents or as a partner or, you know, navigating a pandemic or anything like that, right? There are just, there are things that we navigate, but Yeah. Date night was one and we were real good. I would say for a long time about doing like one night a week where we would do that. Mm. And then of course life happens. And then it's like, okay, well now we're in a season where we need two hours while the kids are in school one day during the week, that's going to be our date time because Mm -hmm. in the evenings we've got too many other things going on. And so you know, prioritizing that is important. And mm-hmm. even with that list that my doctor provided, like I wish I could say I'm doing every single one of oh, them right. perfectly. Yeah. But of course I'm not, right? right. So right. it's just, again, those invitations to circle back to like, what are some tender ways that I can care for myself? Recognizing mm-hmm. to what you were just saying, if I continue to pour out and give to others mm-hmm. to the point of like, empty bottom of the barrel, empty, mm-hmm. you know, bucket, I'm really afraid that I'm going to be drawing on burnout mm-hmm. and frustration and anger and resentment mm-hmm. to serve others. And that is going, there's such a risk of hurting in mm-hmm. that process. And I, I know helpers don't want to hurt in their efforts of helping, but, mm-hmm. um, we've got to do that uncomfortable work of caring for ourselves
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and we can care for others well. Yeah, and that is your reasoning. You're like, I can't do this unless I remember of course, that I am worthy. I love that that's one of your right. practices, but also like I won't be able to help others. And I know that's what really? helps my husband with his two-wing, very, very strong two-wing. Mm-hmm. That he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I have to do this or I won't be able to help others. And that just rules right. hey, you, Um, but it makes me excited for you too. Like, I'm really glad you have that list that you can go back to that every listener, hopefully you will make a list and also grab Holly's book for this great list uh, mm-hmm. that I sent to Wes. Um, I also love that you take us from this space of thinking. A lot about just what's troubling Uh us and being activated within this dysregulated body to a space Uh of heart, but also to your book's title, also to a space of soul. Mm -hmm. And you have practices. I want everyone to see those seven practices in your book, but can you maybe share one with us before we end that people can take with them to allow them that space to say, here's something to get you sitting with your heart and soul a bit more in the midst of all you're helping? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. I think if it's okay, I would love to just
1: for listeners to hear kind of these seven stages as a whole and I'll plug in one of the practices that are really helpful. So, yeah. um I know for helpers it's really hard like folks will be like, well, where do I start in terms of, you know, how do, how do I care for myself? Well, because I've got all these people depending on me in all Mm -hmm. these different directions. And so the book has these seven stages, which are um, speed, slow, steady, still see shift and serve. And this underpinning message is that helpers have to wake up to the speed that they're operating Mm -hmm. so that they can begin to slow down identify those steadying structures to like help them slow down Mm -hmm. so that they can be still because it's not until they are still that they can actually see their own inherent worth. Mm
0: -hmm. And that is
1: really hard for helpers to admit, Um, but we do have to be still in order to see that within ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can shift Mm -hmm. with compassion toward Mm -hmm. ourselves and those around us, including our partners Mm -hmm. and our families and kiddos. Um, and then serve from that place of knowing we are enough and that um, our worth is not dependent on what we do. Mm-hmm. So I think of that whole arc, you know, Centering Prayer was one that you brought up and I'm really appreciative that, that you brought that up in this conversation because that I think is perhaps one of the most important practices mm-hmm. out of the whole book. Um, I think the self-awareness piece is perhaps one of the second most important pieces, Um, self-awareness and mental health therapy. Like I think those two go hand in hand in recognizing that we may think we know and are aware of the pace of that that we are moving through our lives and how that's impacting mm-hmm. us and the people around us. Mm-hmm. But we really have to practice the self-awareness piece. We mm-hmm. have to create time to do that inner work. Mm-hmm. And having a licensed um, mental health care provider, who is trained to be able to walk alongside us to do that work is so important. And it's not like, I know there are barriers to receiving mental health treatment. And I, I talk about those in the book yeah. and I see that mental health work as being so important in terms of a, a preventative effort mm. so that it's like, I have, i you know, for each of us, we've gone through so many layers of life and experience and mm. we're worth, Mm-hmm. that space to care for ourselves well, to heal mm. from the the trauma, to heal from the pain, mm. to heal from those experiences. Like it's, it's not mm. fair to us or the people around us to keep pretending that we can white knuckle our way through mm. that. Um, mm. Yeah. So mm. I,
0: I, those would be the two. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And as somebody with teens who's watching all my friends parent in their teens. I can just echo yeah. it so much because then you get less sleep with teens. And just yeah. to be able to yeah. see like that you've set this in place now, you will yes. thrive. And what I also really hate when I see happen is, in um, myself or others, when we miss our kids because we're so busy helping others. And you named that. And that happens so much um, in culture. Yeah. And so we see them as helpers. We see them sometimes from other people's kids. And I just don't ever want that to be my story. Um, And I really appreciate you helping us to hear how can that not be our story? Because you're saying you have to slow down. You have to allow yourself to stop. And then you'll see that you have self-compassion when you've slowed down and gotten still. Mm -hmm. Then you get to give it to others. And you were so generous to give to us today. I didn't even think you were going to give all that away. You are so generous. But guys, Mm -hmm. there's so much more in her beautiful book. Um, So please tell us how we can catch up with you and your book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Krista, again, thank you
1: so much. I love the space that you create and the, the, um, your generosity in, in offering this space to reflect and think, and, you know, just ha- have these wonderful conversations. So thank you. Uh, for anyone who wants to follow along, I am on social media, minus TikTok. I
0: am in the <laughs> elder
1: millennial generation group, and that is not where, <laughs> that's not, that's not where I've gotten into, but, um, Facebook, Instagram, any of those spaces, just at Holly Oxhandler, you can find my stuff at hollyoxhandler.com. Um, and I do have a newsletter uh, at on Substack that you can find the link on my website, where I really, I mean, going back to my passion around the research at the intersection of faith and mental health, I really tried to disseminate and translate helpful resources Mm. around this intersection for mental health care providers and for everyday helpers who, Mm. you know, are living at this intersection because we all are, we all are, you know, our mental health is at a spectrum and we're all somewhere on that spectrum. Mm. Um, And for those of us, you know, who faith and spirituality is important. We are somewhere on that spectrum too, in terms of our Mm -hmm. faith journey. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I try to make it accessible for anyone. So anyways, those are some, some corners. And then obviously you, you know, so generously Mm -hmm. pointed out the book several times. So,
0: Mm -hmm. so folks can
1: pick up the soul of the helper seven stages to seeing the sacred within yourself. So you can see it in others, wherever they buy their books.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for caring about the Soul of Helpers. We appreciate you. We just love you, that you um you. have poured out to all of us, Holly, and thank you for taking care of you too. And yes, everything's in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for being here with us. What a special time. Something I did before we got on was just pray that we would receive the best we could from Holly because she had so many gifts to share with us. And I'm really glad I feel like that was accomplished and that we really get to heal and to slow down when we remember to do that. And I encourage you to grab her book in the show notes so that you can make sure to continue that journey. I read it on the Kindle and it was a delight to read it there. But I also know that it's available in other formats and it's all in the show notes. And then, as I said, you can also follow her on Instagram and at her website. So that is there as well, along with the Ennea Summit. And I hope that you guys will continue to come back here so that you can be refreshed each week. Okay. So keep coming back here. We will keep refreshing you and hopefully sharing others like Holly. And I have Christianity Today Ad Network starting up with us soon. I've had a lot of people asking, like my podcast host, Lipson, asking, When are you going to do ads? When are you going to do ads? And, I finally said yes to a smaller, more niche network. um, And I'm excited to share other people's journeys with us here too. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But I'm really grateful for you. And I've enjoyed sharing about Tyler Zach's NEA Summit too today. So please make sure you check that out. All of Holly's uh, items in the show notes. And that way you can continue to nuance and refresh. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you.